0: this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org this recording is by mark smith of simpsonville south carolina the swiss family robinson by johann david wiss chapter 11 my anxiety kept me awake till near morning when after a short sleep I rose, and we were soon all at work. My wife, after milking the cow and goats, harnessed the cow and ass, and set out to search for driftwood for our use. In the meantime I mounted the ladder with Fritz, and we set to work stoutly, with axe and saw, to rid ourselves of all useless branches. Some about six feet above our foundation I left to suspend our hammocks from, and others a little higher to support the roof which at present was to be merely sailcloth. My wife succeeded in collecting us some boards and planks which with her assistance and the aid of the pulley we hoisted up. We then arranged them on the level branches close to each other in such a manner as to form a smooth and solid floor. I made a sort of parapet round to prevent accidents. By degrees our dwelling began to assume a distinct form. The sailcloth was raised over the high branches, forming a roof, and being brought down on each side, was nailed to the parapet. The immense trunk protected the back of our apartment, and the front was open to admit the breeze from the sea, which was visible from this elevation. We hoisted our hammocks and blankets by the pulley, and suspended them. My son and I then descended, and as our day was not yet exhausted, we set about constructing a rude table and some benches, from the remainder of our wood, which we placed beneath the roots of the tree, henceforward to be our dining-room. The little boys collected the chips and pieces of wood for firewood, while their mamma prepared supper, which we needed much, after the extraordinary fatigues of this day. The next day, however, being Sunday, we looked forward to as a day of rest, of recreation, and thanksgiving to the great god who had preserved us supper was now ready my wife took a large earthen pot from the fire which contained a good stew made of the flamingo which ernest had told her was an old bird and would not be eatable if dressed any other way his brothers laughed heartily and called him the cook he was however quite right the stew well seasoned was excellent and we picked the very bones Whilst we were thus occupied, the living flamingo, accompanying the rest of the fowls, and free from bonds, came in quite tame to claim his share of the repast, evidently quite unsuspicious that we were devouring his mate. He did not seem at all inclined to quit us. The little monkey, too, was quite at home with the boys, leaping from one to another for food, which he took in his forepaws and ate with such absurd mimicry of their actions, that he kept us in continual convulsions of laughter. To augment our satisfaction our great sow, who had deserted us for two days, returned of her own accord, grunting her joy at our reunion. My wife welcomed her with particular distinction, treating her with all the milk we had to spare, for as she had no dairy utensils to make cheese and butter, it was best thus to dispose of our superfluity. I promised her, on our next voyage to the ship, to procure all these necessaries. This she could not, however, hear of without shuddering. The boys now lighted the fires for the night. The dogs were tied to the roots of the tree, as a protection against invaders, and we commenced our ascent. My three eldest sons soon ran up the ladder. My wife followed, with more deliberation, but arrived safely. My own journey was more difficult as, besides having to carry Francis on my back, I had detached the lower part of the ladder from the roots, where it was nailed, in order to be able to draw it up during the night. We were thus as safe in our castle as the knights of old when their drawbridge was raised. We retired to our hammocks, free from care, and did not wake till the sun shone brightly in upon us. End of chapter. CHAPTER Twelve next morning all awoke in good spirits i told them that on this the lord's day we would do no work that it was appointed not only for a day of rest but a day when we must as much as possible turn our hearts from the vanities of the world to god himself thank him worship him and serve him jack thought we could not do this without a church and a priest but Ernest believed that God would hear our prayers under his own sky, and Papa could give them a sermon. Francis wished to know if God would like to hear them sing the beautiful hymns Mamma had taught them without an organ accompaniment. Yes, my dear children said i God is everywhere, and to bless him, to praise Him in all his works, to submit to his holy will, and to obey him is to serve Him." but everything in its time. Let us first attend to the wants of our animals and breakfast, and we will then begin the services of the day by a hymn. We descended and breakfasted on warm milk, fed our animals, and then my children and their mother seated on the turf, I placed myself on a little eminence before them, and after the service of the day, which I knew by heart, and singing some portions of the 119th psalm, I told them a little allegory. There was once on a time a great king, whose kingdom was called the Land of Light and Reality, because there reigned there constant light and incessant activity. On the most remote frontier of this kingdom, towards the north, there was another large kingdom, equally subject to his rule, and of which none but himself knew the immense extent. From time immemorial. An exact plan of this kingdom had been preserved in the archives. It was called the Land of Obscurity, or Night, because everything in it was dark and inactive. In the most fertile and agreeable part of the Empire of Reality the King had a magnificent residence called the Heavenly City, where he held his brilliant court. Millions of servants executed his wishes, still more were ready to receive his orders. The first were clothed in glittering robes, whiter than snow, for white was the colour of the great king, as the emblem of purity. Others were clothed in armour, shining like the colours of the rainbow, and carried flaming swords in their hands. Each, at his master's nod, flew like lightning to accomplish his will. All his servants, faithful, vigilant, bold, and ardent, were united in friendship, and could imagine no happiness greater than the favour of their master. There were some, less elevated, who were still good, rich, and happy in the favours of their sovereign, to whom all his subjects were alike, and were treated by him as his children. Not far from the frontiers the great king possessed a desert island, which he desired to people and cultivate, in order to make it, for a time, THE ABODE OF THOSE OF HIS SUBJECTS WHOM HE INTENDED TO ADMIT BY DEGREES INTO HIS HEAVENLY CITY, A FAVOR HE WISHED TO BESTOW ON THE GREATEST NUMBER POSSIBLE. THIS ISLAND WAS CALLED EARTHLY ABODE, AND HE WHO HAD PASSED SOME TIME THERE WORTHILY WAS TO BE RECEIVED INTO ALL THE HAPPINESS OF THE HEAVENLY CITY. TO ATTAIN THIS, THE GREAT KING EQUIPPED A FLEET TO TRANSPORT THE COLONISTS, WHOM HE CHOSE FROM THE KINGDOM OF NIGHT. TO THIS ISLAND, WHERE HE GAVE THEM LIGHT and ACTIVITY, ADVANTAGES THEY HAD NOT KNOWN BEFORE. THINK HOW JOYFUL THEIR ARRIVAL WOULD BE! THE LAND WAS FERTILE WHEN CULTIVATED, AND ALL WAS PREPARED TO MAKE THE TIME PASS AGREEABLY, TILL THEY WERE ADMITTED TO THEIR HIGHEST HONORS. AT THE MOMENT OF embarkation, THE GREAT KING SENT HIS OWN SON, WHO SPOKE THUS TO THEM IN HIS NAME. MY DEAR CHILDREN! I have called you from inaction and insensibility to render you happy by feeling, by action, by life. Never forget I am your King, and obey my commands. By cultivating the country I confide to you. Every one will receive his portion of land, and wise and learned men are appointed to explain my will to you. I wish you all to acquire the knowledge of my laws, AND THAT EVERY FATHER SHOULD KEEP A COPY, TO READ DAILY TO HIS CHILDREN, THAT THEY MAY NEVER BE FORGOTTEN. AND ON THE FIRST DAY OF THE WEEK, YOU MUST ALL ASSEMBLE AS BROTHERS, IN ONE PLACE, TO HEAR THESE LAWS READ AND EXPLAINED. THUS IT WILL BE EASY FOR EVERYONE TO LEARN THE BEST METHOD OF IMPROVING HIS LAND, WHAT TO PLANT, AND HOW TO CLEANSE IT FROM THE tares THAT MIGHT CHOKE THE GOOD SEED. ALL MAY ASK WHAT THEY DESIRE and every reasonable demand, will be granted, if it be conformable to the great end. If you feel grateful for these benefits, and testify it by increased activity, and by occupying yourself on this day in expressing your gratitude to me, I will take care this day of rest shall be a benefit, and not a loss. I wish that all your useful animals, and even the wild beasts of the plains, SHOULD ON THIS DAY REPOSE IN PEACE. HE WHO OBEYS MY COMMANDS IN EARTHLY ABODE SHALL RECEIVE A RICH REWARD IN THE HEAVENLY CITY, BUT THE IDLE, THE NEGLIGENT, AND THE EVIL DISPOSED SHALL BE CONDEMNED TO PERPETUAL SLAVERY OR TO LABOUR IN MINES IN THE BOWELS OF THE EARTH. FROM TIME TO TIME I SHALL SEND SHIPS TO BRING AWAY INDIVIDUALS TO BE REWARDED OR PUNISHED as they have fulfilled my commands. None can deceive me. A magic mirror will show me the actions and thoughts of all." The colonists were satisfied and eager to begin their labour. The portions of land and instruments of labour were distributed to them, with seeds and useful plants and fruit-trees. They were then left to turn these good gifts to profit. But what followed? EVERYONE DID AS HE WISHED. SOME PLANTED THEIR GROUND WITH GROVES AND GARDENS, PRETTY AND USELESS. OTHERS PLANTED WILD FRUIT, INSTEAD OF THE GOOD FRUIT THE GREAT KING HAD COMMANDED. A THIRD HAD SOWED GOOD SEED, BUT NOT KNOWING THE tares FROM THE WHEAT, HE HAD TORN UP ALL BEFORE THEY REACHED MATURITY. BUT THE MOST PART LEFT THEIR LAND UNCULTIVATED. THEY HAD LOST THEIR SEEDS, OR SPOILED THEIR IMPLEMENTS. MANY WOULD NOT UNDERSTAND THE ORDERS OF THE GREAT KING, AND OTHERS TRIED, BY SUBTLETY, TO EVADE THEM. A FEW LABORED WITH COURAGE, AS THEY HAD BEEN TAUGHT, REJOICING IN THE HOPE OF THE PROMISE GIVEN THEM. THEIR GREATEST DANGER WAS IN THE DISBELIEF OF THEIR TEACHERS. THOUGH EVERY ONE HAD A COPY OF THE LAW, FEW READ IT. ALL WERE READY, BY SOME EXCUSE, TO AVOID THIS DUTY. Some asserted they knew it, yet never thought on it. Some called these the laws of past times, not of the present. Others said the great king did not regard the action of his subjects, that he had neither mines nor dungeons, and that all would certainly be taken to the heavenly city. They began to neglect the duties of the day dedicated to the great king. Few assembled, and of these the most part were inattentive and did not profit by the instruction given them but the great king was faithful to his word from time to time frigates appeared bearing the name of some disease these were followed by a large vessel called the grave bearing the terrible flag of the admiral death this flag was of two colors green and black and appeared to the colonists according to their state the smiling color of hope or the gloomy hue of despair this fleet always arrived unexpectedly and was usually unwelcome the officers were sent out by the admiral to seize those he pointed out many who were unwilling were compelled to go and others whose land was prepared and even the harvest ripening were summoned but these went joyfully sure that they went to happiness the fleet being ready sailed for the heavenly city. Then the great king in his justice awarded the punishments and recompenses. Excuses were now too late. The negligent and disobedient were sent to labour in the dark mines, while the faithful and obedient, arrayed in bright robes, were received into their glorious abodes of happiness. I have finished my parable, my dear children. Reflect on it and profit by it. Fritz, what do you think of it?" "'I am considering the goodness of the great King, and the ingratitude of his people,' answered he. "'And how foolish they were!' said Ernest. "'With a little prudence they might have kept their land in good condition, and secured a pleasant life afterwards.' "'Away with them to the mines!' cried Jack. "'They richly deserve such a doom!' HOW MUCH I SHOULD LIKE, SAID Francis, TO SEE THOSE SOLDIERS IN THEIR SHINING ARMOUR. I HOPE YOU WILL SEE THEM SOME DAY, MY DEAR BOY, IF YOU CONTINUE TO BE GOOD AND OBEDIENT. I THEN EXPLAINED MY PARABLE FULLY, AND APPLIED THE MORAL TO EACH OF MY SONS DIRECTLY. YOU, FRITZ, SHOULD TAKE WARNING FROM THE PEOPLE WHO PLANTED WILD FRUIT, AND WISHED TO MAKE THEM PASS FOR GOOD FRUIT. SUCH AS THOSE WHO ARE PROUD OF NATURAL VIRTUES, EASY TO EXERCISE, SUCH AS BODILY STRENGTH OR PHYSICAL COURAGE, AND PLACE THESE ABOVE THE QUALITIES WHICH ARE ONLY ATTAINED BY LABOR AND PATIENCE. YOU, Ernest, MUST REMEMBER THE SUBJECTS WHO LAID OUT THEIR LAND IN FLOWERY GARDENS, LIKE THOSE WHO SEEK THE PLEASURES OF LIFE, RATHER THAN THE DUTIES. AND YOU, MY THOUGHTLESS JACK, AND LITTLE Francis. Think of the fate of those who left their land untilled, or heedlessly sold tares for wheat. These are God's people who neither study nor reflect, who cast to the winds all instruction, and leave room in their minds for evil. Then let us all be, like the good labourers of the parable, constantly cultivating our ground, that when death comes for us, we may willingly follow Him to the feet of the great King. TO HEAR THESE BLESSED WORDS, GOOD AND FAITHFUL SERVANTS, ENTER INTO THE JOY OF YOUR LORD. THIS MADE A GREAT IMPRESSION ON MY CHILDREN. WE CONCLUDED BY SINGING A HYMN. THEN MY GOOD WIFE PRODUCED FROM HER UNFAILING BAG A COPY OF THE HOLY SCRIPTURE, FROM WHICH I SELECTED SUCH PASSAGES AS APPLIED TO OUR SITUATION, AND EXPLAINED THEM TO MY BEST ABILITY. My boys remained for some time thoughtful and serious, and though they followed their innocent recreations during the day, they did not lose sight of the useful lesson of the morning, but by a more gentle and amiable manner showed that my words had taken effect. The next morning Ernest had used my bow which I had given him very skilfully, bringing down some dozens of small birds, a sort of from the branches of our tree where they assembled to feed on the figs. This induced them all to wish for such a weapon. I was glad to comply with their wishes, as I wished them to become skilful in the use of these arms of our forefathers, which might be of great value to us when our ammunition failed. I made two bows and two quivers, to contain their arrows, of a flexible piece of bark, and attaching a strap to them, I soon armed my little archers. Fritz was engaging in preparing the skin of the margay, with more care than Jack had shown with that of the jackal. I showed him how to clean it, by rubbing it with sand in the river, till no vestige of fat or flesh was left, and then applying butter to render it flexible. These employments filled up the morning till dinner-time came. We had earnest order and some fried ham and eggs which made us a sumptuous repast. I gave my boys leave to kill as many orderlands as they chose, for I knew that, half-roasted and put into casks, covered with butter, they would keep for a length of time, and prove an invaluable resource in time of need. As I continued my work making arrows, and a bow for Francis, I intimated to my wife that the abundant supply of figs would save our grain— as the poultry and pigeons would feed on them, as well as the Ortolans. This was a great satisfaction to her. And thus another day passed, and we mounted to our dormitory, to taste the sweet slumber that follows a day of toil. End of chapter